ora. I'm Damien Venuto. It's September 27th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The Aotearoa school decile system has been scrapped. In its place, we now have an equity index that'll change how school funding is distributed. This will give most schools a funding boost, but there will also be those that are left shortchanged. So what problem is the government trying to fix here? What does this mean for students? And why do politicians think that this is the best approach? Today, I'm joined by senior political reporter Michael Nielsen as we follow the money into New Zealand's school system. Michael, you've reported on a big shakeup to the school system. To set the scene, can you give us an understanding of what the decile system was and how long it was in existence? Yeah, so the decile system was introduced in 1995 as a way to try and balance out inequalities and difficulties in schooling facing different areas. So it was based on socioeconomic data at a kind of a school board level, the area that they were based in, looking at income levels and the number of people on benefits and jobs, household crowding, those kinds of factors in that area that the schools are based. Then they were ranked into 10 different deciles, with one being the lowest and 10 the highest. And then based on that, schools would receive funding to try and balance out those inequities. Now, the government has decided to scrap that system. So why was it no longer deemed fit for purpose? Yeah, probably the, the main criticism, it, it was quite a crude measurement that they used these five broad factors and it was not individualized. So there, there were things like urban areas were ranked typically lower down on the decile system based on things like house prices, which could see more children sharing rooms. And, but at the same time, income levels in those spaces could be quite high. So there are these kind of mismatches of data Another factor was the you know, obvious groupings and having a you know one as the lowest, ten the highest. It led to a bit of stigma towards schools, and people were misinterpreting it as a measure of educational quality, and you know, even deterring some students from going to those schools as as a result. And further, this data was you know very out of date, so they were using census data from 2013, uh, isolation data from 2001. So you know that this new system takes advantage of you know all the the latest uh, data we have. What it became was a stigma attached to schools, suggesting that because you were low decile, you delivered a lower quality education for kids, which was absolutely untrue. Any funding's gonna be um, very welcome to any school. We, you know, we pour our money back into the kids and the education we provide for them. Now, in place of this, the government has introduced a new funding model. Could you give us a sense of how this will work? Yeah, so it goes from five factors to this new index has 37 measures, um, which they've you know, calculated in various ways to measure poor education outcomes. So they're, they're individualized rather than based on just assumptions about an area. And they include quite specific factors from things like if a parent is in prison or there's some sort of youth justice notification or, you know, it's a broader things like parents' income and, and benefit history. Uh, so it's obviously quite complex, uh, as it should be, I guess. And you end up with numbers ranging, in this case, from 344 to 569. And then based on that, again, the funding is distributed among the schools, this sort of pool of $240 million. Anytime you have a change to the system, you're going to have winners and losers. So which schools are going to be receiving more money and which are going to be receiving less money right now? So overall, about 90% of the 2,500 schools in the country will see an increase. Some will see more than 
10% increase to that funding and about 250 will see a decrease. Part of the reason it's quite broadly seeing these increases is the government increased the pool of funding by $75 million of the budget. You know, broadly speaking, the previous system favoured schools and urban settings due to the housing crowding factor. So as a result, we've seen the more rural schools facing challenges that are kind of getting more funding based based on this change to the system. So particularly in Northland, on average, schools will get about $223 extra per pupil, whereas schools in Auckland will receive on average about $6 extra. You can break that down further. South Auckland looking about 70 bucks extra and schools in the north about $16. So I guess at the same time, it's probably not good to talk about winners and losers. It's a fair adjustment of the system, I guess the government would argue. And they're also assuring that these impacts will not kick in next year. And then further on, they'll be phased in to minimise impacts to schools that do lose a bit of funding. We've ultimately increased the amount of equity funding going in by over 50%. So there's more equity funding going in, and that's why the number of schools that are actually seeing a reduction is very low. It would be much higher if we hadn't put more funding in. We're really providing that extra support to those learners that need the extra support the most. Michael, one thing about this is that the funding pool we're talking about here is relatively small. It makes up just 4% of the entire funding that goes to schools. So does the government really think that this can address the inequities that we see throughout the system? Yeah, I asked uh, Education Minister Chris Hipkins this yesterday, and he said, obviously, you know, while relatively small, it, you know, the bulk of the rest of the funding is, is for teachers. And so that's something that doesn't really change so much. So that this extra funding on top is for things like, you know, allowing schools to take it further, extra teacher aids. So, you know, while small at, at a school level, it, it can have quite a large impact. And these schools can also access at the free school lunch program and this government school donation scheme. Just further to that, we understand that the government rejected advice to increase that funding pool further, despite knowing that the changes would disproportionately affect Pacific students. Could you just touch on that? Yeah, so the Treasury report just prior to Budget 2022, they said the government should increase the funding pool further. They said it should be increased by about $100 million a year. They said the index was a, a great tool to address government priorities around lifting education levels for disadvantaged students, but they thought that those schools that were potentially going to miss out, you know, were still facing inflationary pressures, as a lot of people are at the moment. And so they recommended that funding be increased further. Uh, They also noted that due to the impacts on on urban areas, and particularly South Auckland, where there's a high proportion of Pacific students, they were going to be disproportionately impacted. So they, they recommended the government go a bit further on this. Hipkins obviously didn't opt for this. And uh, yesterday he acknowledged that and said it was their intention, though, to keep increasing this this pool as they could. Michael, how long have these changes been under review? This government has been criticised in the past for execution. So how much planning and consideration has gone into revamping this whole system? They've been looking at this, I guess, in a sense, ever since the DSR system came in, but you know, they really started uh, looking more closely changing it in, in 2016 under, under national government, Hekia Parata. I guess there's been a lot of work since then developing the system, and at the moment it seems to have pretty general cross-party support. We had really no sort of major outcry yesterday from parties about it. Any changes to the schooling system generally leads to an outcry from parents and teachers. So how have parent and teacher groups responded to these changes coming in? 
Schools have generally been supportive. These have been flagged for quite a while. The concept of changing the system in schools earlier this year did receive the index level, but they didn't know where they sat within the broader framework, how much funding that would result in. So we've generally had, you know, schools have been quite supportive. They, they see it as a more fair system. The, the lower decile schools particularly have spoken about welcoming this change to reduce the stigma rather than spin called a decile one school now they've got a number 512 or or whatever so it's 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 kind of going to change that and some have also seen a bump in funding and then those schools missing out obviously there is a bit of concern there about the governments at least you know assured them that they will work closely with them to ensure there's there's no immediate impact and those longer impacts will be addressed we have been telling successive governments that we needed something like this to happen and we're always poo-hooed usually by previous governments and it's damn good that this one's actually put its money where its mouth is. Michael, do you think that the new number system will help to address those stigmas or is it just a new number to replace the old number? Yeah, I mean, some some teachers, uh, principals too, just you know noted that obviously people can just figure out what those numbers mean and then reapply their stigma. So it's, it's very difficult to say there. The issue of stigma is probably something that's better addressed at a societal level than through you know, government policy. Michael, you have mentioned that we did have cross-party support for these changes, but has there been any interesting response from other members of parliament on these changes being introduced? No, it was, it was very quiet, to be honest. Could potentially be just because there's a lot of other news happening at the moment. But yeah, I think, again, because National first started work on these as, as the other you know, large party in parliament that, you know, supportive of it. Yeah, we just really haven't heard too much from the other parties. Um, but I, I think it'll be interesting as it as it as it comes into play. I think everyone will be keeping a close eye on on how it works. What are some of the potential pitfalls that we could see under the new system and have sufficient measures been taken to ensure that things don't go wrong? Yeah, it really just seems like the, the main issues raised is around that immediate funding adjustment. So some schools having to work with slightly less money, but then it obviously you know, could be argued those schools had relatively fewer issues to begin with and, and the government has assured them that they would work closely with them and, and that those funding changes will come in over time. So not an immediate shock. Potentially some people might, might be concerned about how this information is collated. It's, it's quite an amazing system, really. It takes a StatCNZ database, which pulls together data from across all the different government departments. They they measure, I think, educational outcomes at schools over a long time, and then they correlate that with the current school uh, pupil population and, and, and then determine that the index figure there. So there's quite a lot going on, but they've assured that all of that data is anonymized. So you know, there's there's no way of tracing it back to individuals themselves. But you know, obviously, some people might have some issues with that system. And I guess, I guess, given that it's relying on stats NZ data rather than census data, it is updated more regularly. Yeah. So before they were updating this every five years based on the census, and obviously we know that the issues with the 2018 census. So, so that data was very out of date that they were using. This data now is it's updated every year. So that in many ways, it should just lead to a, a much more fair distribution of, of resources. The current decile thing is based on 2013 census data. And so decile's always been a blunt tool to work out the level of disadvantage in a community. Decile rating has been used as a proxy measure of performance and they're completely unrelated. What is the government doing at the moment about the incredibly low attendance that we're seeing at schools? It's fine to increase funding for some schools, but what happens when kids don't attend? 
It's some pretty remarkable um, statistics coming out. In term one this year, that the rates plummeted below 50%. So we're talking here about students attending school more than 90% of the time. Obviously, you know, everyone could see that we had a huge COVID outbreak then, which heavily influenced those numbers. And the vast majority of those absences were, were due to illness and medical reasons. But, you know, these numbers have been low for the last couple of years, really. And they were declining before COVID as well. So there's clearly something going on. And I guess the real problem now is just ensuring that those rates do come up. The, the government has, you know, launched a strategy to try and turn that around throwing some resources at the issue. They're trying to decentralize some of the approaches, which they felt were part of the issue, to so bringing back those attendance offices in, in the area. And, and they've set targets looking to try and hit 70% of students regularly attending school by next year. So that's obviously quite a big increase from currently. Yeah, and we'll be keeping a, a close eye on those numbers. Michael, education can be very ideological. So do you think that this system will last for decades or is it vulnerable to a future government coming in and then deciding that it's not suitable and, and then again changing it? I think the fact that you had, you know, you had a national government working on this previously, they haven't spoken out against it. It's probably unlikely. It, it doesn't seem the most controversial. And again, we're talking about a relatively small pool of funding here. I'd, I'd say they're probably more focused on some of the more divisive issues, like you know, massive reform to the health system. I think those would be probably more of a focus for them. Thanks for joining us, Michael. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and edited by Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.